You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Welcome back to Leveling the Playing Field. I'm your host, Ken Goldberg, and each week I highlight some misconception, fallacy, or limiting belief about the financial markets, the economy, pop culture, or life as we know it. Today, I'm honored to welcome John Ahrens, president of Treatment Foster Care Oregon. Thanks for joining me, John. Oh, thanks so much, Ken. It's great to be here. Well, as you know, we've known each other for 45 years after meeting as counselors at Benebra Summer Camp on the Oregon coast. And you've been working to help kids ever since. So I want to thank you personally for your amazing service. Tell me how you leveled the playing field in foster care. Oh, Ken, it's, it's so great to be here. And, and what a fun memory about BB Camp and that time together. I'm leveling the playing field with Treatment Foster Care Oregon by more effectively and efficiently and community-engaged services for young people and families. Great. Tell me where it started. How did you get there? So Treatment Foster Care Oregon is one of the many programs, models, that has come out of scientifically-based research with the highest standards from Oregon Social Learning Center. And as I thought about our time together, I thought that, you know, what's the one message I want to share that in many ways we know better, now we need to do better. And this is an example of that. When you think about how many of us were raised in families, lots of support, lots of encouragement, lots of community engagement, school activities, that sort of thing. Let's make treatment mirror that as opposed to being diametrically different and, and do so with a highly supported environment that gets all the things those treatment kids need. So... I'm not that familiar with how foster care works. Tell me a little bit about the diametrically opposed thing that's been going on. Sure. I think for some time, certainly since the 50s, what we've done is is identified kids with struggles, families with struggles, and then separated them with the idea of let's send this person away, get them fixed, and return them. And what we know is that that's not effective. And by no, I mean... It costs a lot, and it doesn't get us what we want. It's a bad buy, if you will. So not only is it expensive, but it doesn't get the great results. And so in the early 80s, there were some research studies done that led to Treatment Foster Care Oregon, which were, let's train and support at a very high level foster parents. And this is crazy, but... Let's reimburse them in a way that they can focus their attention on these young people, place one young person in a healthy, thriving, supportive, well-trained home. Let's surround them with the treatment they need. At the same time, let's do that with their forever family. So bio family, adoptive family, support system family. And let's do that in a way that long-term, we're able to get that young person back on track and because it has some dollar implication, engaged and involved in in some positive way that contributes to the community and down the road leaves them healthier and safer. So if I understood you correctly, from around the 50s to around the 80s, we did the same thing over and over again badly and expected a new result. 
Uh, the definition of insanity. <laughs> and, and that didn't work very well. So in the 80s, did you come up with this program? So I wish I could say I did. Um, but Patty Chamberlain, who is a senior research scientist with Oregon Social Learning Center, built on the research studies that were done very early on by John Reed and Jerry Patterson and Tom Deshaun. And in some work that was originally titled, this will make you smile, Antisocial Boys. So they originally <laughs> studied young men who, who had a trajectory of getting in trouble. You know, and they could, as they looked back, as they did the archaeology work, what they saw is early on sort of the things that drove that unwanted behavior huh. that led to, you know, unfortunate results. And so Patty designed this model as an alternative to residential treatment, psychiatric treatment in hospitals and incarceration. So uh, placing kids in a community close to home, culturally matching, right? With resources that made sense. So in all the movies that I've seen that involve <laughs> foster caring or kids uh -huh. taken out of homes, typically they're taken out of homes where there's drug abuse in the home. There's really awful environments that model awful behavior for kids. Is that typical? Is that you really, that's what happens? Yeah, absolutely. That is, I would think, typical. That's the median there. And of course, there are things on the other sides of it. But here's the one piece that goes with that equation. Families stick together. Positive, negative, healthy, and unhealthy. And so simultaneously working with the young person, and which we had been doing in institutions, working with the young person and the family. And this will sound silly, but practicing different behaviors. So by that, I mean, keep them close to home. So when we think about foster care in the community, the young person lives, we work with both the young person and their family. And we support the foster parents because it is going to be a bumpy ride, right? These are young people who have been exposed to all the things you just mentioned and more. Yeah, sadly. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this will resonate with you, Ken, knowing you is that keep it simple. Here's what we know. And I know that your research and, and studying and interest around herd behavior is exactly what's at the root of treatment foster care Oregon, which is limit contact with people going the wrong direction. If you think about a young person, even our own life experience, is that when you engage in an activity or connect with someone going, if you will, the right direction, healthy, safe, positive, you're likely to move that way. So you go with the group. And what we want to do in TFCO is connect kids with young people and adults going the right direction. That, you know, there's so many avenues to that. Yeah. But when you think about that, it, it's about school and it's about work and it's about activities and it's about fun. Yeah. Probably about responsibility and ownership of both the good and the bad, right? Absolutely. And at the root of it, and this is, will sound very practical, I think, what we want to do is teach kids and help them practice and support them in doing the little things that make up every day. Riding the bus, making it through class, choosing friends, figuring out how to join an activity, all those sorts of things that they haven't gotten in the home you described. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, 
We want that home they're going to land in to learn how to support and do those other things. Mm, excellent. And what changes have you guys documented? Like you, you say it's bang for the buck type of thing. Yeah. Like how does that measure out? Thank you so much for asking, right? If we attend to what we measure, right? We attend to what we measure. And so, so we have now lots and lots of studies. If you have a chance, get on the Treatment Foster Care Oregon website. And the one that is my mo- my favorite is that we looked at young people 10 years after intervention. So here's the science moment. And that is we did a randomized control trial, which means we compared two groups. They were all getting treatment. One group was in, if you will, treatment as usual, which is residential treatment without um, necessarily a wraparound, if you will, engagement for their families, you know, group care or incarceration. The other group was in treatment foster care, Oregon. There were 160 kids, so about 80, 80 in each group. We looked 10 years later. So we did the intervention, and then we said, what happened in the next 10 years? And which means following these young people who were now an average in their mid-20s, following them through school, through incarceration, through employment, through parenting, through child welfare, through right? And what we saw is that the young people with treatment foster care Oregon were less likely to have criminal behavior, were less likely to, to have depression and engagement in the system through mental health, and were five times less likely when they had children of their own to have child welfare involvement. So that's the magic piece, if you will. How do we interrupt the intergenerational? How do we make the next generation, if you will, better than the one we're currently in? Mm. Our kids, our grandkids. And so that's the piece I think that is really powerful. And so what's that mean dollar-wise? The Washington State Institute on Public Policy, a private group that researches programs, says that for every dollar you spend on, on TFCO, you get $4.35 back. So what's that really mean for you and me? We know that tax dollars don't come back to us. What it means is that there are other resources, less use of law enforcement, fewer needs for those ER beds you hear about for mental health issues, fewer needs for child welfare resources. So the system benefits, according to the numbers, by the program that you have. The system benefits, and I want to be practical about this. You know, I'm smiling because you and I have had lots of these conversations. The system benefits, and ideally, how does this affect your neighborhood and mine? Well, it relieves some of the burden long term. When I think about that, I mean safer communities, healthier communities. Those young people I talked about, more likely to be engaged in work and school and appropriate parenting. The uh, breaks the chain of social disaster, kind of. It, it breaks the chain of social <laughs> disaster. Yes, well said. And, <laughs> wow. And the question that is, it also does something else, which I think is really important, which is in communities, it allows, you know, we talk about this is, is very popular to say it takes a whole village. It does. And here's our village, right? We keep kids close to home. We keep kids engaged. We pull in families, and in the long run, these are folks who are going to be in our communities anyway. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, I right? Put that out. Right, good or bad, we'd rather have them good. Good or bad, we'd rather have them good. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And do the numbers look the same for girls versus boys? I'm so glad you asked that. The numbers look as good. So, the you know, here's the bottom line as studied about 70% of the young people that go through treatment of foster care in Oregon have good results, pro-social adults results. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. About 30% do not, right? Nothing's perfect. And for the young men, what you see is significant reductions in criminal behavior, which was always our original target. And when you see that, you see then, what do they do in their time if they're not criminally involved? Shifts over to work and school. And we see, and this is one of the funny ones, when you work in the system, academic results are not often one of the things that are studied, right? Reduced criminality, reduced child welfare, all that, very important. We saw increased academic success. And if you think about that, if you're more successful in school, you're more engaged with a positive pro-social adult. We can think back to the many adults in our lives who influence us. The closer you are to those people, the more likely you are to follow that path. Herd mentality. Yeah, definitely. The more you follow that path, the more likely you are to, right? Mm-hmm. Have a successful marriage, have successful employment, have, right? All those people. So really, it's about modeling. Have a good model, do better. Have a so bad model. That's it. Yeah. And here's the other piece that, you know, it's been so fun to for our worlds to connect and think about. Do what the data tells you not what your instincts are. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have whatever parenting experience we have, which is whatever it is. In TFCO, what we're saying is do what the data tells you. So reinforce wanted behavior, ignore the kinds of things you can, support, train, right, the the surrounding folks. Mm -hmm. Follow the data, not your instinct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like as humans, we make the same mistakes almost in every arena we enter, whether it's whether it's the financial arena, childcare, imprisonment, whatever. Right. Because we believe we know a little bit more than we might know. Right. Right. We think we think we're the smartest thing about everything. We think if it came into our mind, it must be the answer. But in fact, it looks like your model shows, and some of mine as well, that if we remove emotion And if we just look at the numbers and the math, we get better outcomes. We indeed we do. And I think that's been the hardest shift in when we think about social services is it's not enough to be kind and supportive and right. We have to track what we do, pay very close attention to it and make decisions without emotion. Mm. Right. I love your piece about that. That's where Mm. I thought, what a great intersection. Mm -hmm. So, is the only place this is available is in Oregon? We're very fortunate. We have about 38 sites. We are as far in the Southern Hemisphere as Australia. We have like New Zealand, the UK, and then, of course, Michigan, New York, Chicago, California, Oregon, right? Colorado. We're, we're seeing more and more legislatures and county, local and, and, and state resources that say we're interested in doing things differently. Here's the thing I would say that goes with this is so important to ask the question, what are the what are the standards? How are we measuring it? How right the science piece. So it needs to be manualized, which is a fancy way of saying we need structure, format, guidance, you know, 
the, the manual that comes with it says how you do it. We need to check that regularly, which means we're attentive to are we or aren't we staying on course? Just like if we were sailing and navigating our way or Google Maps, maybe. And those are critical pieces to shifting how we do things. You know, there's that old thing about because I said so. Yeah. Well, that's the level of evidence, but very low. <laughs> because I measured it, because I tracked it, because I have longitudinal information. So interesting. So it sounds like it doesn't matter what language you speak, what country you're from, there's a way to improve the society in really around the world. And this might be one of them. It is absolutely true that there are some things that bond us together, that connect us. And this is one of them. And let me go a step further and say, one of the things that is both alarming and predictable and hopeful is that there are indigenous people are overrepresented and underserved around the world. So mm -hmm. our work in Australia, we're very proud to partner with First Peoples, the Aboriginal people. Our work in New Zealand focused with the elders in the Maori community, and what a privilege to do that. Our work in, in the States, very often we're talking about how do we keep kids culturally close to home, which is language, religion, and it's also food and hygiene. And the things that are so important as we think about how do we embrace and support young people, lift them up. Hmm. Interesting. So why isn't everyone using this model? It works. Change is a difficult thing, my friend. I mean, it, it works, right? Not only does it work, but it has a 5x benefit to society. $1 spent gets $4.35 back. It, that works. Why aren't legislators and cities and communities, municipalities lining up to get the program? It's hard to change. It's hard to own that we need to do things differently. It requires, you know, we ask, here's the great thing about treatment. We ask young people and families to think differently. And yet, we, when it comes to asking ourselves that, we really struggle. <laughs> right? we, and as systems, we think about, here's the sort of a snapshot of that from my world. We talk about juvenile justice, child welfare, and mental health. And when, if we just take away those system labels and look at the kids, the truth is it's which door did you enter? All those kids have traumatic histories. All those kids and families have um, struggles about all the things you mentioned, drug and alcohol, lack of good modeling, right, resources. And so when it's a chance for us to think about things differently. The most exciting part is that when we're a bit undone, we're more likely to see change. Man, the last couple of years have challenged us to rethink things. Yeah, there's a lot undone, isn't there? There's a lot of... So here's a question for you. Could this apply to adult incarceration and the prison system and things like that? So, you know, here's the great moment. My temptation is to say yes, and then I think for a minute and say, we'd have to measure it. Uh -huh. Here's the thing we do know is that there's been some work done, meaning research studies, about women in particular that end up incarcerated and separated from their families, meaning their kids in particular, mm -hmm. and providing them with the opportunity to connect with their families, learn new skills. So I want to highlight this one point. I'm so glad you asked this. 
We are not talking about historical work around my trauma as a young person, so on and so forth, inside-oriented. We're talking about what are the skills you need today to navigate between here and work, riding the bus, saying no, saying yes. What are the skills you need to navigate through the process of managing your emotions, the anger, the sadness, the struggle, the challenge, the fear? What are the skills you need to say yes and say no? And then building on them. So I'd be curious to measure it as the answer. Yeah, maybe we should. Hey, how do people get in contact with you if they're interested? I'm so glad you asked, Ken. We are Treatment Foster Care Oregon. We have a website. It's www.tfcoregon. We're happy to field. That'll lead you to a contact page. It'll give you information. Happy to field any calls, questions, interests. And it'll also lead you to a page that says, contact me and I'll answer. Well, that's great. Hey, you know what? Thank you again for your service and for letting us know about unbelievable result that most people don't know about. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Ken. It's great to see you. It's great to spend some time together. Of course. And if anyone would like to come on the podcast and talk about how they level the playing field in their particular field, get a hold of me, Ken at dsetrading.com or one of my social media links. This has been Leveling the Playing Field. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Ken. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.